Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bird Steeler fans. What's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for another episode of Let's Ride. Your Monday. Your Wednesday and your Friday morning podcast is a part of Behind the Steel Curtain's network of podcasts. I welcome you to the show. I realize that here we are heading into week two, the Pittsburgh Steelers getting ready to host the New England Patriots at Accra Shore Stadium, the AC, as I affectionately call it here on the show. And I realize there might be some fans that are new, maybe some fans that just stumbled upon the show. Maybe some people that are not members of the Ride or Die crew. They just listened for the first time. Well, welcome aboard. My Let's Ride podcast, as I said, runs every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. And we have every little bit that you would want along the way. Not just on my show, where today, Wednesday, hump day. We're halfway there, folks. Happy hump day. We have the mailbag coming up in the second half. On Friday, I'm going to have Jeremy Jerome Betts on. We're going to give you NFL picks. Going to give you my parlay from DraftKings Sportsbook. On Monday, we do winners and losers. All of it there every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But there's so much more than just my Let's Ride show. Make sure you're checking out the whole morning lineup. Jeffrey Benedict had a great Tuesday morning podcast, The Cutting Room Floor. Dave Schofield, Stat Geek, I'm sure he is just salivating over the data, as he calls it. And he'll be giving that for you tomorrow. So make sure you tune into that. Our noon lineup's tremendous. So is our PM content. You just have to find us wherever you get your podcasts. Search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe and follow so that you don't miss a thing. All right, we always start the show with the news. Mike Tomlin hit the podium on Tuesday. I got to be honest. I've watched a lot of Mike Tomlin's press conferences. Not every single one going back to 2007, but I have watched... More than I've missed. We'll put it that way. This was one of his best performances. And I say performances because this is, in my opinion, Coach Tomlin's game. Every Tuesday when he stands in front of the media and he gets to, he gets peppered with questions, it's almost as if he is trained for this. That's his contest. That's his culminating event for the week. He gets to dodge them, talk around this, use big words to dismiss this and that and the other. He was top-notch. That was a top-notch press conference for Mike Tomlin. And if you haven't listened, go and check it out. Or you can check out Dave Schofield's press conference recap where he gives you all the information that you need to know without having to hear about 
you know, the questions and all that stuff in the actual entirety of the press conference. So, so you can save yourself some time and listen to Dave. But during that press conference, there was a lot of good information, which was disseminated and none larger than the injury report. TJ Watt. So Mike Tomlin and, and anyone that's followed him for any duration of time would know that he's not going to give you very much. He's not going to give you that concrete black and white answer about this. This injury is going to equate in this. It's just not how he operates. He wants to keep his cards as close to the vest as possible. And the furthest that he went was to say TJ Watt will not be available this week. We all assume he's going to head to injured reserve. But Mike Tomlin said, we have time. We have until Saturday to make that call. We don't need to rush this. And so he's taking his time. They're going to figure out how they're going to find another outside linebacker probably. They did make two additions to the practice squad. They released two players, brought two new players on. One of them is a pass rusher. Maybe he gets promoted. We shall see. But still, you can check out that article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com that I wrote about the official signing of those two players. Outside linebacker and I think a tight end. But I, I could be wrong. It might have been. I Again, <laughs> just go check out the article. I wrote, wrote a lot of articles on Tuesday, so uh, I apologize if I get some of them mixed up. But TJ Watt, later in the evening on Tuesday afternoon, that is when report was surfaced that, you know, we had always heard ever since the injury took place in Cincinnati on Sunday, it looks like a peck. And if, if he tore his pectoralis major or the tendon, that's going to be surgery. It's likely going to be the end of the year. Well, then all of a sudden you started hearing some positive reports. Reports stating that, well, maybe TJ Watt doesn't need surgery. Maybe he actually can just rehab this thing. It all depends on the nature of the injury. And so what we're finding out now is that after he had several doctors give their opinion, so he got you know the first diagnosis, he had a second and third opinion, it is now being reported not official by the Steelers or anyone like that, but ESPN's Adam Schefter is now reporting that TJ Watt is not going to need surgery. His season is not going to be over. He could return as soon as six weeks. Six weeks. It's incredible to think about. Now, there's a chance that maybe if TJ Watt's not ready, that maybe he'll come back after the bye week or something of that, like that, but this season is not over for Watt. Now there are is a there's a fraction of the fan base, some with even even within the behind the steel curtain podcast network that say, well, should they just shut him down? Should they just shut TJ Watt down and, and let him heal up? To me, if you say that, not only are you putting up a white flag of surrender for this season, and some people did that before the season even started, but if you're putting up the white flag of surrender, also you're losing another year of this guy on a, on a, your in the new contract. And you're also slapping the medical field in the face by saying that, hey, when he's ready, he can play. When he's fully healed, he can play without risk of further injury. If TJ Watt is healthy and they have not rushed him through the process, that's the key here, and they have not rushed him through the process, he should play. He should play. Whether you like it and you're comfortable or not, that's not your decision. If he's comfortable with it, the team and the medical staff is comfortable with it, Get him on the field. Let him wreak havoc. Another injuries of note, Najee Harris went on the Adam Shine show on uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio, which I, I love Christopher Mad Dog Russo. He's one of my favorite. Uh, he's one of the guys that got me into podcasting, but still, Adam Shine does a show in the morning. He had Najee Harris on. Najee Harris said, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be good to go. And then Mike Tomlin kind of pumped the brakes on that a little bit, said, hey, he's young. There's a process here. We'll see. We're going to get him back in practice, see how he does. So Najee Harris, it was not a re-injury of the Liz Frank sprain. It was something else. 
people online. Anyone that watched the, the replay of that looks like it more was an, it was more of an ankle than a foot. So we'll see. I wasn't expecting him to bring up Mason Cole, but he did. Mason Cole with his ankle injury, he was able to come back into the game, but I guess it's, you know what it's like. Anyone's ever, ever twisted an ankle. Sometimes the adrenaline's pumping, you get it wrapped up, you can get back in there and, and finish the game. Then afterwards, it swells up, it starts to really hurt. He said he could be hampered a little bit at the beginning of the week, but he should be okay. So that's really the news. That's really the news from this uh, this Mike Tomlin press conference. But I wanted to go into some thoughts about week one. Week one was such a crazy game. I felt like even on my Monday show, which you can go back and check out, all the winners and losers. I had eight winners and five losers on Monday. I, I didn't have enough time to actually wrap my head around everything that was that 23-20 to 20 win in overtime in Paycor Stadium, which is now what they call the Bengals' home field. So just a couple random week one thoughts. I'm going to be I'm going to tell everyone to just beware of falling into the stat trap of one game. Yeah, I heard it on Jeffrey Benedict's podcast on Tuesday where he talked about how the Steelers average points per drive is less than the Giants from last season. I'm thinking it's just been one game. It's one game. So even if one game was fantastic, it's just one game. And if the first game was awful, like the Steelers offense was on Sunday, it's just one game. I'm sure Dave Schofield will talk about stats. That's what he does. And I'm sure he'll keep things in perspective for you, the listener. Don't fall into that trap of, oh, they have the worst rush defense again, or they can't run the ball. They're 32nd ranked in the rush in, in the running game offensively after week one. Listen to what you just said after one week. Give it a chance. Only three-game preseason. They haven't played a lot of minutes together. Give them a chance. Four weeks in, now you can start to be critical. Now you have more of a sample size. Don't fall into that trap. I want to do a little rookie roundup on Wednesdays during the season. Only three rookies really contributed. You know, George Pickens, man, he'd, you could see the frustration on his face, and I get it. I get it. He wasn't being targeted. He had single coverage. It just looked like Mitchell Trubisky wasn't even looking his way. Why? No clue. No clue at all, but still, I think he ended with one catch. That's just... I know he expected more, and the fans have probably expected even more than he did. So George Pickens was visibly frustrated, but he did get on the field, got his first game under his belt. He'll probably learn from it. DeMarvin Leal, he played over 15 snaps. They have a plan for him. That's exciting. He got a helmet over Isaiah Loudermilk. That should tell you something. Now, whether that is a game-by-game situation, for instance, against the Patriots, maybe they want Isaiah Loudermilk, who's a better run stopper. I don't know. We'll see. But good start for DeMarvin Leal. They're going to ease him into it, and they rotated their defensive line a lot. Listen to Jeffrey Benedict on Tuesday, and he'll diagram all of that. And then Jalen Warren, the undrafted rookie. He's the one that is probably going to have to step in if Najee Harris cannot play. And as Mike Tomlin said, he didn't urinate down his leg. He didn't piss himself. <laughs> Essentially, what they, when I was growing up, that's what they said. Don't piss your pants. Don't get so nervous that you, you, know, you piss your pants. So... Uh, I still can't believe Tomlin said that in his presser, but he did. It was hysterical. Everyone laughed. I laughed. Uh, so yeah. So Jalen Warren, another, a promising rookie, a promising rookie. But when you think about all the other rookies, you know, Connor Hayward was limited to special teams duties. Kenny Pickett didn't see the field. We know Calvin Austin, the third is on injured reserve. Um, Mark Robinson didn't get a helmet. He was inactive. So it, it's, it, this is it. This is those three players. And one of them wasn't even drafted. Last thing. You know, play calling. 
the safe word. Everyone says safe, not not safe word like that. I'm talking about everyone says, well, the play calling was just safe. I don't know if I want to go to that length. Everyone says, you know, the defense was so dominating. Maybe the play calling was to ease Mitch Trubisky into this thing. Maybe it was to just maximize what the offensive line is capable of doing right now. I don't know. But the one thing that this kind of ties into are expectations. Expectations for this team, whether it's offensively, defensively, special teams, doesn't matter. They should remain the same after one week unless you're talking about an injury. So you can't say, well, I'm going to expect them to go out and get seven sacks a game when you don't have the reigning defensive player of the year in the lineup. That's just not fair. That's not fair to Malik Reed. That's not fair to Jameer Jones, to Alex Highsmith, to anyone else that's rushing the passer. That's just not fair. TJ Watt, as Mike Tomlin said, is from another planet. So we have to keep that in mind. But the expectations should remain the same. And I feel like this is a great segue into the main topic that I wanted to discuss today, and that is all about Mitch Trubisky. Now, I was pretty critical of Mitch Trubisky on Monday's show. I didn't have him in the loser's column, but I didn't have him in the winner's column either. I just thought that Mitch Trubisky, he didn't show me enough that I was saying, yes, they should stick with him for the long term. Nothing that I saw, and I said this on Monday, and I'm doubling down, nothing that I saw on film or live when I was watching the game made me think, wow, like they made the right decision because Kenny Pickett's not ready for that. I didn't see that. So Mitch Trubisky has to be hearing some of these narratives and storylines and those really quiet chants. He, he probably hears them wherever he goes. You Kenny, Kenny. And he looks over his shoulder. What's going on? Where did I hear that? And then all of a sudden, maybe he's at practice and Kenny, Kenny. And you think it's getting louder. And then all of a sudden, he's driving home and he's in a tunnel probably in Pittsburgh. Kenny, Kenny. And he's probably freaking out. What is that sound? Who was saying that? It's in his head. I don't care what he says. The fact that Kenny Pickett is waiting in the wings and the fact that the expectation is, hey, you mess up and we're going to that guy. That's not the coaches, by the way. That's the fan narrative. That's the fan storyline. They're going to want Kenny Pickett. So everyone knows what's going to happen this Sunday, right? One o'clock kickoff, Acrisure Stadium. The, 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 it's probably going to be a packed house. And when everyone's there at one o'clock, the first sign that Mitchell Trubisky struggles, you're going to hear it. Kenny, Kenny, it's going to happen. People that want to say they shouldn't do that. Come on, you can't tell paying members not to do that. I'm a Pirates fan. I hated fans, and I don't know if they still do it. I haven't watched a game in a while. They used to The, the wooers used to come out. You don't know what I'm talking about. It would be the late innings of a game. And the Pirates could be winning or losing, doesn't matter. It's real quiet in the ballpark, and all of a sudden you'd hear these people going, woo, woo. It was so annoying. But, hey, they're, they, they paid to get in. Can't tell them not to do that. Kenny chants are going to happen. They are going to happen. So Mitch Trubisky, guess what, my friend? You can quiet all of those chants, even the ones in your own head, on Sunday. On Sunday, you control that. You can quiet down the doubters and the haters by your play. Because right now I'm seeing a lot of Mitch Trubisky defense attorneys coming to his aid. Ah, give the guy a chance, will ya? Okay, we will. We will. Every single fan is going to give him a chance. How's he going to play? How's he going to handle that chance? Uh, Well, Kenny should just sit and learn for how long. 
I mean, what, what else does the guy need to learn? Now, Dave Schofield brought up a great point. When we watched the game together last Sunday, he came to my house. He said, maybe Mitch Trubisky has the full playbook. Kenny, Kenny Pickett only has a slice of it. And it's his playbook. It's the plays that he does well. That is entirely possible. We don't have that, and we are not privy to that information. But here's the thing. What did anyone expect? This is not the the chanting, the Kenny stuff. What did any fan that watched this team, followed this team in the preseason, think was going to happen? From preseason week one, when Kenny Pickett debuted, Seattle Seahawks at Acroshore Stadium, Everyone that had a brain in between their ears knew this was going to happen. When he goes out and starts slinging the ball around the yard, it's the third and fourth quarter of that game, and every single fan is still in their seats, and they are chanting, Kenny, Kenny. That should tell you what's going to happen. And Mitch Trubisky had to hear that and think, it's an uphill climb. It's not impossible. I'm not climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It's an uphill climb, but I'm going to have to play well. That's pressure. That is pressure. You know, Trubisky needs a fair shot. He's getting it right now. People that say that Mitch Trubisky is not getting a fair shake, I don't understand what else you want. He took all the ones in all of training camp, okay? All the all the drills that they did, all the team reps, he was with the starters. He had all the starting reps in preseason. He played the majority of the third game. He is the starting quarterback and a captain on the team. How is this not fair? This is a performance-based league. Either you go out and play well, or you get replaced. That is how it works. So this is the whole crux of this argument here. People that want to defend Mr. Trubisky are entitled to do that, but understand he controls his own destiny. Mike Tomlin is not going to pull the rug out from underneath Mr. Trubisky just because some fans up in Section 527 are chanting Kenny in the middle of a game in Week 7. What? It, or, I don't even know if they play at home in Week 7, but you understand what I'm saying. He's not going to do that. If Mitch Trubisky's playing well, he's going to be the quarterback. Only one person can stop the Kenny Pickett hype train, and that is Mitch Trubisky. That is Mitch Trubisky. It's not Matt Canada. It's not Mike Tomlin. It is Mitch Trubisky. It's time for him to go out and prove what he's capable of, that he can go out and, and not look like what he's doing is just mundane. That's what it reminded me of when I think back to Mon- Sunday's game in week one. It just seems so blah. Nothing was spectacular. He had a great two-minute drive, not taking away from that. Everyone is gushing over the play he made, which was a free play that he threw to Pat Fryermuth. He knew it was a free play. The Deontay Johnson catch was out of this world. Look, I- I'm expecting Mitch Trubisky to, to settle it down. He's gonna- going to be playing at home. I want him to play well. I'm okay with Kenny Pickett sitting. I said that from the get-go. But I want Mitch Trubisky to have to earn his spot. That doesn't mean if he has a bad game on week two, everyone's thinking on a short week he's going to go to Kenny Pickett's going to be the guy in Cleveland. That's so unlikely. I don't care how bad Mitch Trubisky might play. That's not going to happen, not to a rookie. But here's the thing. Everyone that wants to defend Mitch Trubisky Till their dying breath. That's fine. You are you are okay and entitled to do that. Just know that the ball is in his court. Kenny Pickett's gone out and done done his thing. He has done it. He's put his best foot forward. They made their choice with Mitch Trubisky. He's got to keep that title. He's got to keep that crown on his head. No one can quiet the chance except number 10, Mitchell Trubisky. All right. Enough for me. 
I want to hear from you, the Ride or Die crew. And we're going to do that in the mailbag segment coming up right after this break. Stay tuned. Happy hump day, everyone. It is time for the mailbag. If you're listening to this for the first time and you wonder, how do I get Jeff to answer my question? It is simple. Follow me on Twitter. It's at the letter J Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T. Every single Tuesday, I was a little late. I'm sorry. It was a busy day, busy morning. And I was a little late. It was around 1045. I got the tweet out there. And I always retweet it in the afternoon so that in case someone misses it, they can see it again. You reply to that tweet, and I will answer your question. So let's get right down to business. Will Caldwell asked two questions. First one, hey, Jeff, don't you think fans are letting their excitement over Pickett cloud their opinion on Trubisky's play? I've seen it on social media, and it seems that some people are trusting in Tomlin until he doesn't agree with them. So trusting in Tomlin, like, I... I don't know how Tomlin weighs into this. You just heard my opinion on the Trubisky thing and the Pickett thing. Like I said, Pickett has given the Steelers, organization, coaching staff, teammates, and the fan base plenty to think about. If if Kenny Pickett went out there and didn't play well in the preseason, no one's even having this discussion. He played well. And Mitch Trubisky was Mitch Trubisky, if you're honest with yourself, and if you followed his career in Chicago. So for me, I look at this and say that the excitement over Pickett, you can't tell anyone to temper that excitement. They can have that excitement. Maybe be careful what you wish for if you thrust him into the lineup too early, but still, it's okay to be excited. Second question from Will. In a similar vein to the last question, how is this team supposed to function as a run-first, play-great defense when the running backs can't get blocks, thereby producing less than 30 yards on the ground? Maybe this is the Canada offense, like he basically said himself. I don't think this is the Canada offense. I don't think, if if you follow anyone that's followed Matt Canada's career in college, whether it's NC State, LSU, Maryland, um, and then obviously now with Pittsburgh, he wants to run the football. Now, does he have his gimmicks? Yes, he has his gimmicks. He has his shifts, his motions, his, his gadget plays. But I, I don't think this is the Matt Canada offense. I think this is one of those situations where you're just you're just not getting an offensive line that's able to move bodies yet. Maybe, it, hopefully it does work. If not, you, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It's only week one, not falling into that trap. Okay, Cheeseball10 says, With Watt out for a significant amount of time, what are, what are your expectations for the outside linebackers? Do you think they will still find ways to be successful? I think they will. The pressure to me doesn't necessarily fall on a Malik Reed or a Jameer Jones. To me, Watt being out for any length of time is going to fall on the entire defense to pick up the slack. Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, whether it's DeMarvin Leal, anyone, Tyson Alualu, Chris Wormley, you name it, they have to step up their game. They have to play better. And that's going to be... Really interesting. I do think they're going to bring up an outside linebacker, whether it's someone from the practice squad or bring in an outside player. I don't know. 
Maybe by the time you're listening to this, they've already made that move. I'm not sure, but I don't. I think that the expectations they have to remain the same because the sacking the quarterback is not just a one man job. T.J. Watt only had one sack on Joe Burrow. The team registered seven, so keep that in mind. All right, Cassie Galasso. Hope I said that correctly. Asked, the stalled-out offensive drives reminded me of last season, even though the offensive line looked good and Mitch was not getting a lot of pressure. When do you think the offense is going to make some splash, or do you think the plan for the season is to rely on the defense? I don't think the plan for the offense is to just sit back and let the defense win a game. I think there are going to be games, like Sunday, where the defense is doing their thing and the offense might struggle. Eventually, and this could be the most damning thing about Matt Canada if it doesn't happen. Eventually, the offense is going to have to open it up. They're going to have to use the middle of the field. They're going to have to try and test the boundaries in terms of deep throws. The fact that we saw the middle of the field utilized in the preseason, mainly with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, tells me that it's not out of Matt Canada's, you know, his play, play sheet, we'll put it that way, that they want, they want to use the middle of the field. It's just they have to get it done. Maybe it's the separation from the receivers. Maybe it's the quarterback or the offensive line. I don't know. But I would expect some improvement in the offense when it comes to chunk plays. I think that's important. Tank asked several questions. Here we go. With the Steelers having been on defense for at least 20 snaps in a row in the final five minutes of the game, how many times do you think they played Renegade? Maybe mentally, I'd say at least three uh, they played a hundred snaps. Their defense had a hundred snaps. I didn't know this until I edited and ran Jeffrey Benedict's snap count article. I was absolutely floored. They played 100 defensive snaps. Insane number. Absolutely insane. Next one from Tank. With the lackluster offense not showing up in Cincinnati, are you prepared for a homecoming show of 35 points? 35 points, I'm not ready for that. I don't think that's going to happen. Would be, It would be awesome if they did. I do think they're going to be over 20. So call that maybe a huge output. I don't know, but that's where I'm going with it. Tank asks, who would you like to see come in and compete for TJ Watt's snaps while he takes a rest? And are you happy it's not a groin injury? I am happy it's not a groin injury. I'm not happy that it's a pec injury, which a groin can sometimes heal up in a week or two. The pec, you're looking at probably six to eight weeks until he's able to return to play. I'm just glad he's returning. At least that's what reports say. I don't. I think Malik Reed is the guy. That pickup, everyone said, wow, they didn't have to trade that much for Malik Reed with Denver. What a great move. It looks genius now. You hoped that you didn't have to see it as a genius move because you didn't want Highsmith or Watt to be lost to injury. But if you do lose that player, wow, what a move. He's got experience. I think he's the guy. Jameer Jones, we'll see what he can do. Last one from Tank. If you had to watch only one play from last week's game, over on repeat, would it be the Minka pick six, Cam's opening season sack, or the Wizard of Boz drilling three as the clock expires? I'm actually going to pick a play you didn't even mention. And that is the strip sack fumble on Joe Burrow. I think it was Highsmith that got him that fell into Cam Hayward's lap. There's something about a strip sack. I love watching that play. And so that's what I'm going to go with. Aiden Blaine 
He asked, hey, Jeff, did you get to rub it in the second grade? I, I teach middle school, okay? A second grader, I don't teach second. I'm not an elementary teacher. Did you? So did you get to rub it in the eighth grader's face who said the Steelers would lose to the Bengals on Sunday? No, you know, I'm, I'm in year 16 of, of teaching. And as in year 16, I used to talk a ton of trash to my students. And I learned that it's just not worth it. I don't really say much anymore to anyone. The kids will talk to me about fantasy football and the NFL and did I watch this game and the Steelers and all that stuff but I really don't go down that road because well it just not that big of a deal with the kids anymore but still no I did not find this student I actually forgot all about it so maybe I'll say something the next time I see this student Zach Farnsworth do you think some of Mitch's struggles was not enough chemistry yet with the other skill positions I absolutely think that some of the struggles was about the timing of the offense and the receivers running those routes that Trubisky and the receivers, although they've worked together a lot, they're just not there yet. Everyone, this is maybe a topic for another day where I'm thinking about the preseason only being three games long and some of these players only playing a handful of plays. How does that benefit them? Is it actually a hindrance early in the season I'll have to think about that, but I do think you're right. I think it is a lot to do with chemistry in the skill positions. Corey Eckenroth asks, even if Watt is okay to play in as little as six to eight weeks, do you think the Steelers just sit him for the season to ensure that the injury heals properly instead of trying to rush him back? Okay, Corey, again, I said this at the beginning of the show. Hope you were listening. If the medical staff and the technology that they have available to them today do the scans do the physical therapy, do the rehabilitation, and they see that that muscle, that tendon is completely healed and he has no restrictions at all, that's not rushing him back. If they said six to eight weeks and all of a sudden he comes back in four, that's rushing him back. I don't think that's going to happen. If it's six weeks and he goes through the six weeks and he's healed and he's cleared, That's not rushing him back. I would not sit him for a season. If he's healthy, play him. But that's just me. My stereo says, how many games will the Steelers win out of the next three? They're all winnable, in my opinion. Okay, so week two, New England at home. Mac Jones is banged up. Not sure what he's doing yet with his back. I actually hope he plays over uh, Brian Hoyer, I think, is their backup. But Mac Jones, he's there. Week two, I like their odds, even though they're underdogs at home. Next, Thursday night in Cleveland with that stupid elf. We'll talk about that on the middle of the field. Thursday night football, Jacoby Brissett. That's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a tough game, but a winnable game. Okay, so I like their chances. And then they have a mini buy, and then they host in week four the New York Jets. So, yeah, I think they're all winnable games, and I think they could win all three. This is the part of the schedule that we all looked at and said, They've got if they week one's tough and it was tough, but week one's tough. If they can get through that, they could actually go on a little bit of a run. We'll see if they can get it done. We said the same thing last year, week two, coming off Buffalo, come back to play the Raiders, lay an egg. It happens. Doug Peterson asked, when looking at our offensive struggles, what do you believe are the biggest reasons as to why the Steelers aren't able to move the ball down the field efficiently? There are a lot of reasons right now. I thought pass protection was good. But separation was an issue at times with the receivers. Sometimes the receivers were open. Trubisky didn't see them, wasn't going through his progressions, or 
threw a bad pass. He was not very accurate on a lot of throws. Uh, the play calling was a question was in question on more than one one occasion on Sunday, and they could not run the ball. There was no semblance of balance at all. Throw all that together, and what you see is a really crappy offensive output, and that's exactly what we all saw in Week One. Kyle Stone with T.J. Watt out. Do you think the Steelers will use Miles Jack on the edge? They could, especially if they go to sub packages. I don't know if Miles Jack has a lot of pass rushing prowess. I know he's done it before. He did it in Jacksonville early in his career. I remember in 2017 when they came to Pittsburgh twice that year and beat the Steelers. Uh, he was he was definitely moved around a lot, so that is an option. That's a great point, Kyle. I'm not sure if they're going to do it, but it is an option. Ryan Carter, he asked, do you think it's possible for anyone on the defense to elevate their game to the level of T.J. Watt in terms of creating havoc? T.J. seems to be the catalyst that makes everyone better. Yes, there's two players that come to mind. Cameron Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick. You don't think Minka Fitzpatrick wreaked havoc in uh, week one? Yeah, he did. He could do that again. Absolutely, they're going to be called upon to, to play a bigger role. Not the same position, but a bigger role. Tyler W. said, since there's five to pick from, what's your favorite turnover from the Bengals game this season and then also, this season, can the Steelers average three turnovers, five sacks a game? Tough to see us losing many games that way. My favorite turnover, already mentioned it, the strip sack of Burrow that went into Cam Hayward's lap. I thought it was an interception at first. Clamps Hayward, as he calls himself. Uh, but no, it was ruled a, a, a sack fumble and fumble recovery by Hayward. So that was my favorite. Three turnovers and five sacks a game. They could do the five sacks a game, but the three turnovers... That's crazy. That would be crazy. If they do that, they'll win a lot of football games. I'll tell you that right now. Thanks for the question. Leo says, when do you think Tomlin will give Pickett a chance? I don't think Mike Tomlin, and I, I thought about this the other day. You go all the way back to last season. We know the, the writing was on the wall that Ben Roethlisberger was going to be done. He's going to retire after the season. And there was a Jay Glazier who is friends with Mike Tomlin. That's important to note. Jay Glazier report that Mike Tomlin said, I have no interest in starting over with a rookie. And so I never thought they would draft a rookie quarterback in the first round, yet they did. And I'm thinking now like that that quote keeps coming back in my head. He did, he wants that experience. He wants a guy that's done it before. That So when was he going to give him a chance? Only if Trubisky proves that he can't, whether it's health or play, will he give him a chance. So that might not happen this year. It all depends on Mitch Trubisky, like I talked about in the first half of the show. Mitchell Gibbons says, I knew Mitch Trubisky wouldn't be up to snuff the minute I saw him wearing that god-awful black and yellow pinstripe suit. He should have worn the black Air Forces. We could have we could have a good game manager in Mitch, or we could grab, grab our nuts and put Kenny in. When do you think it happens? If I had to guess... It would be after the bye week, and I think that's going into week 10 against the Saints. Uh, so we'll see. you got to grab your nuts. That's hysterical. Uh, but no, I, I, I think I saw Mitch's suit, and it, it is what it is. Okay, ELH says, why aren't the Steelers putting Steely McBeam as the midfield logo? It would probably make opposing team players urinate down their legs. <laughs> I think it's funny. Steely McBeam is still a thing. But I don't even know. I think that he, I'm not sure if he's on the sideline. When they first announced that they were bringing out this clown of a of a mascot in Steely McBeam, what an awful name. And 
they brought him out. I think it might have been to training camp. He, the dude was getting booed. I remember early on, he wouldn't even show up at Heinz Field. He might have been in the concourse or walking around before the game, but never showed his face at Heinz, at Heinz Field, and it was called Heinz Field at the time. I'll have to ask Dave if Steely McBeam it shows his face during games or if they just kind of keep him hidden off to the side. But still, uh, yeah, he's referring to the elf, Brownie the Elf, I think is what it's called in Cleveland, this gigantic logo of an elf at the 50-yard line. It's atrocious, but it's very Browns-like. We'll put it that way. Great question. Gary A. Schultz III asks, who do you think would give our offense more of a spark, Trubisky or Pickett? I understand it's only the beginning of the season, but you seemed rather disappointed with Trubisky's play on your last show. I did, and I was very honest. I, I was very honest. The bigger spark, right now it's Trubisky. Trubisky's the guy to deliver the spark. Pickett would be the guy to deliver the spark coming off the bench or then being re like inserted in the lineup, let's say if Trubisky gets hurt, something like that. I think that Trubisky still gives the Steelers, as of right now, the best chance to win. I just want to see something more. I don't care if it's running the football. If he tucks it and runs like Joe Burrow did for 47 yards against the Steelers in week one, I'm fine with that. That's fine. Do something that differentiates yourself from the rookie that everyone wants to see standing on the sideline. Frankie Calise, I think I said that correctly, he asked a question, and he said, what do you think about Yinzers, the Yinzers podcast. Okay, Frankie, I'm not really into uh, talking about other people's shows unless it's my boy Chris Carter. Um, I, I I don't know much about it. I've never listened to an episode. I know that they're very active on social media. Um, they do show social media different than I do. And uh, ultimately, they can talk about the Steelers just like I can talk about the Steelers. And if people like the Yenzers, they can listen to the Yenzers. I've said it a million times on this show. I'm not naive enough to think that there are people that only listen to Let's Ride. If you are, well, then thank you. You're definitely an elite Ride or Die crew member. But if people want to listen to Yenzers, I don't know, they do one show a week or something like that. Sure. Okay, that's fine. The more the merrier. That's fantastic. I like to think that my listeners, they enjoy my show, and they're going to keep coming back every Monday, Wednesday, Friday to hear me talk about the Steelers. I still can't believe people do that. But anyways, last question here. One more late late submission by Doc M, Southside Doc, better late than ever. He said, probably too late, started a new job. Congratulations, Doc. What makes the difference in performance between Minka putting up a great performance compared to his average? How much does coaching play into this? Should we expect this to continue or regress back to normal? Well, what is normal? Minka three years ago was a ball hawk. Minka last year was a tackling machine. He did what was called that he had to do. This year, I think with the defense, and he talked about this on the Pat McAfee show, they gave all their parts of the defense back. And so he feels comfortable now to roam. Then you throw in Tara Lawson, who's a secondary-minded coach, and he probably had some ideas for Minka the whole time. Then you throw in Brian Flores, and Flores, who knew, knew Minka well, drafted him in Miami, and did a lot of probably good things with him before he shipped him to Pittsburgh. He's probably got some ideas for Minka Fitzpatrick. And then you throw in Mike Tomlin. Yeah, they're going to you. I think coaching does play a role into this. I don't think you should expect a pick six, 14 tackles, pass defenses, all that stuff. I don't think you should expect that, but if he's still wreaking havoc, he's making smart plays and making his presence felt, then that's a good Minka. Hey, like I said, Mad Minka is my favorite Minka. So 
my ride or die crew is actually my favorite. You all are the best. I thank you all for the questions. I know we went a little long today. There was a lot of news. Wanted to get everything out there. So I appreciate you hanging on and stay until the end. Make sure you're on the lookout on Friday. I'm going to be delivering the DraftKings Sportsbook Parlay. My parlay sucked last week. That's a big thumbs down. Only got one leg of the three correct. I'm going to rebound. I am going to rebound. I promise you I will rebound. Got to look at it. Got to see the odds. Want to see the injury reports. So make sure you're on staying tuned to that on Friday as well as the All Bets Are Off segment with Jerome Jeremy Betts. That does it for me, folks. You know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your day. See you on Friday. Peace.